This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Big news, Raptors fans. We're graced with the majestic presence of our fourth compatriot, Kyle Brickman. I Welcome to the show, Kyle. It's been a long time since you and I have chatted. Yeah, it's been a month. I, I'm never coming back, man. This is the worst game I've ever watched. Yeah. This is horrible. You're, you're um, bad luck, it is, maybe. It is, I don't know. It's nice to be back. And we... Exactly. I feel like I'm to blame almost. And they had a the Raptors did have a nice little fake comeback at the end, which is a, which is kind of a classic. I feel like I never left. Yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, yeah, I got we got six minutes of entertainment in the entirety of the game. The only only other entertaining aspect of it um, really is to watch Zion have full control over the game. And they they talked about that in the broadcast is the. With Ingram and McCollum out, this was just the Zion show. And it was the Zion show. He was truly unstoppable. I really hoped that coming into this this game, if OG could slow Zion down, it truly would have been the stamp of Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, like it's, I'm, it's not realistic to expect OG to stop Zion, but if he could have, that really would have just been the Defensive Player of the Year, like, you know, for show. And it wasn't the case. He couldn't stop him at all. And who really can? I don't know. Yeah, the, the Zion show was I like even as a, a Raptors fan, the Zion show was like that's like Emmy worthy. I'd watch the Zion show. That was a yeah. just a spectacular performance. Yeah, that and, was the uh, silver lining in an otherwise complete slaughter. New Orleans beats Toronto 126-108, but really uh this game was over uh, towards the end of the second quarter. I would say, um, and there was no looking back. Um, by halftime, it was 74-47. Uh, so that tells you right there. They had 40 in the first quarter, 34 in the second quarter. Better second half, but it, again, just too little, too late. Um, Kyle, any thoughts on why we completely shat the bed tonight? Um. I think, like we mentioned earlier, it's Zion related. Like he just crushed the Raptors in every single way. They, you can't guard the guy one on one. You try to trap him, like in the corner or up top. He, he, they had a moment where they tried to trap him in the corner, and he just like just forced his way to the baseline. Like I don't around OG, he just like willed his way around a trap, which was really crazy. And he does that all the time. And then, you know, you try to trap him off the pick and roll or even pre rotate to him. He's a good passer. He made a few like really nice passes tonight. Uh, and even if they didn't result in assists, like I know he finished with only five assists, but he had at least like five more passes that set up completely wide open shots that are like those secondary or tertiary assists. Um, so it was really just like a, it, it was just like complete inability to contain Zion. And then I'm sure you'll mention this, but they they just got crushed at their own game. The Raptors did like the the Pels like out Raptor Toronto. They they turned them over. They killed them on the glass on both ends. They seemed like to 
to be physically dominating the Raptors, which is something that I'm personally, I'm not used to seeing out of this Raptors team. I don't think many Raptors fans are. Like, when's the last time you watched a Raptors game and thought, like, man, the Raptors are the the lesser of these two teams athletically. It is a lesser of these two teams effort-wise. Like, it's been years. Yeah, in my head when I was watching this, I'm like, thank God New Orleans, New Orleans should be in the Eastern Conference. Thank God they're not. <laughs> and we don't we only have to run into yeah. these guys every once in a while. But yeah, from a yeah, geographic Zion, perspective. If if they yeah, bring exactly. in Seattle. Yeah, then New Orleans might get bumped. Or Houston, maybe. I don't know. But um yeah, the Zion challenge was interesting we didn't really double him right away like we had before with other creators which made sense i think like he he's less elusive um you know like he's not a guard so he's less elusive when uh, above the arc and so there's no sense trapping him when we did trap him though he like squirmed free multiple times right and jack mentioned this like if you're going to double you have to absolutely ensure that he can't sneak by you and if he does sneak by you, it's got to be the long way around. It can't be the direct way to the hoop, which he did. And it's part of Zion's like incredible athleticism is he he sneaks by you like he's the shifty guard. And shifty really he is because he's coming downhill, but then he's also avoiding uh, help side and slithering through um, double teams or whatever else is happening in the paint. And like you said, he's a great passer too. So uh and, and incredible, like he's just an incredible player. But I think, I th- I do think Toronto defensively just like wasn't wasn't locked in like they were with Cleveland. And you know, like those doubles are the kinds of things like letting those doubles go are good examples of that. But it, but from an yeah, from an athleticism point of view, you're right. We ran into a carbon copy of us, except they're bigger and stronger. And the Raptors are all about winning possessions, like you said. So they don't turn the ball over a lot. They don't. They steal the ball a lot. They they do a decent job of defensive rebounding, and then they smash on the offensive rebounding. Well, when you go to the stats, we had three offensive rebounds tonight. Uh, New Orleans had twelve. We had um, twelve steals, and New Orleans had ten. But uh, I would say several of those were in the fourth quarter. Um, and then in turnovers, we had 16 in New Orleans, had 20. So we did start to push them a little bit in the latter half. But the rebounding, like you said, really killed us today. Yeah, it's it just the the blueprint that the Raptors have been like living off of uh, just kind of got reversed, like turned on them completely. And this is a yeah, this was tough to watch in part because it was an ugly game. And the other part being like, this is maybe this is uh, how teams feel when they play the Raptors. Like, just is this how is this what we do to people? Is this is this how people feel when they play this Raptors team? Like, it just couldn't get anything going. Um, and yeah, the defense was bad, and it, it looked like kind of shaky mentally. Like there were lapses, and then just physically outperformed. But uh, the offensive end was not nice either. It wasn't like this was a super high scoring affair. Like the Raptors shot. 48% from the field, like less than 30% from three. They Like you mentioned, they turned the ball over a lot, a lot, a lot. And they just couldn't get any of that. Like the Raptors offense is already a little ugly. at It stretches and they make up for it by winning possession battle. Like you get all those offensive rebounds. You get all these second chance opportunities. And just like when those dry up, when that's not an option, this is a really, really difficult offense to watch. 
And it, it's it's odd because uh, they opened the game. Siakam opened the game with nine straight points, and I think like just based on like the the feed, I was like, uh, there was a lot of hubris on the feed about like how the how tonight was going to go, and it it really um it really went downhill. I think that was maybe the highlight of the game. Siakam's nine straight points, and basically went immediately downhill from there. Well, and I wanted to get to that is that like they. They went away from him. So he had one, two, three, four, five. He was five for eight in the first quarter, and he ended up with 16 total shots. So he took half of his shots in the first quarter. And it's maddening because, you know, Pascal is our superstar. We should be going through him and until New Orleans has to absolutely counter. Um, and I think New Orleans adjusted to some degree, but I – but I didn't see anything that suggested that we couldn't go back to Pascal over and over and over again. And what really happened is that other guys kind of um, took the ball out of his hands, right? Like, and you can see a distinct difference between a, when Pascal has the ball versus somebody else like Freddie who really struggled tonight and B or Scotty and B when the ball is not moving with when one of these other guys chooses to go in isolation. And those like, I think those two things to me really stood out tonight was that we took the ball away from Pascal and we didn't move the ball. It was a lot of just like one-on-one stuff. And then the odd time we did go back to Pascal or we did move the ball. You had OG in the corner for an open three. You had Freddie hitting his one. No, it wasn't Freddie. I thought Freddie hit one. Maybe it was Gary early on or Scotty. Maybe somebody hit an open three on a drive kick and swing, right? Like it, the contrast is just so evident to me. Um, and yet these guys just continually are trying to force things in a very unnatural way. Yeah. Scotty kind of baffles me at times because there are moments like, especially early in the game where this Pelicans will go zone, he'll catch the ball at the nail and just like take a look at the hoop, zero intention to score and like turn his back to the basket and try to like post up or we'll just kick the ball to the corner. It's like, man, take that shot right there at the nail. You catch the ball at the nail and shoot it. He refuses to do that, and then the next possession he'll like walk the ball up and and will like walk into a three, which is not his shot, which is not which is this not is within the flow of the yeah, about? which is yeah, yeah, which is not within the flow of the offense. It, it's it's just odd. It's weird the way this the kid hunts his shots, and um, I think we'll we'll get to him a little bit more later. But I felt Fred was kind of the same way. Like Fred, uh, you know, he's didn't really have many like wide open opportunities tonight like you know and swing swing stuff like weak side stuff but he's forcing yeah yeah um i lost you there so i'm gonna interject but yeah freddie was one for eight from the field oh for seven he did have six assists but um it's one of those nights and it like you see this with gary time to time too it's like they're just forcing shots uh, over and over again. And it's it's funny, like Shaq on TNT last night, it was just like, you know what you got to learn, kids? This is a teaching moment, is that when you're missing shots, you just got to keep shooting them. And it's just kind of like, I did definitely didn't think that was going to be the punchline. I thought it was going to be like, you know, when you're missing shots, get to the tin or like get, get to the free throw line or like create for others. And, you know, I think... That's Gary and Freddie don't really do that. They just try and shoot themselves out of funks. And um, and when they both 
are struggling, although Gary turned around again in the in the latter half of the game. Oh, we lost Kyle too. Um, that's when he started hitting his shots. But early on, all of these these four shots were just kind of killing us. And we'll live and die with the three. That's kind of how it goes. But I just think there's so many more options. You see Freddie running a pick and roll and finding Thad on the roll or finding Coloco on the lob. And like I think there's better ways to get Freddie integrated into the offense rather than um just having Freddie hoisting from 40 feet. But the but Regardless of all that, hey, Kyle, welcome back. What I do, the, another thing I wanted to point out, and this will kind of tie. Uh, Is that me? Probably. Uh, I'm too bald. Well, I'm a millennial too, so, but whatever. Um, the one thing I will to tie this, the offense, poor offensive effort with Zion together is I feel like the best way we could have attacked Zion or defended against Zion is attacking him on the offensive end. Same with JV. Like those, there was one play where OG went at Zion and he got by him, and I think he he kicked it out or something. But I just think that that would have been a better way. Or it demonstrates a that again we're not being calculative on the offensive end, calculated, calculated, calculate on the offensive end, and B that we're you know, um, or just a. It's just proving that we're not being calculated on the offensive end. Like I would have. I would have liked to have attacked Zion a lot more, get him tired on the defensive end, get him into foul trouble, make JV uncomfortable, right? Like pull him out. There was just no thoughtfulness when it came to the offensive end. Yeah, and and it's actually even more inexcusable when like the blueprint with JV was established like so much so that you had to move him off of your team because you didn't think you could like right. you could run a, you could set up a defense in the playoffs that worked like you you literally shipped this guy out i guess like whatever part of it was getting was you know doing what you need to do to get marcus Holt. but like you know who jv is um he should be at the three-point arc trying to chase guys around and trying to navigate screens at least force him to drop and then you can get stuff out of that like force it, it's like Okay, fine. If they're gonna play drop with JV, sure. But at least make them do that. He, he's just hanging out in the paint. Like he he uh, he barely worked. And I agree, Zion. Like, um, I, it's overplayed to to talk about like his health and conditioning and stamina all the time. But I don't think that uh, he's he still doesn't really have the body to be playing like however many minutes at a high level on both ends of the floor. Especially if he's being attacked constantly at one end of the floor. Um, but the, the problem is kind of like, uh, they just didn't have five guys that you can like really trust running, uh, an offense, like with the ball in their hands. So they, they're Zion's easily hideable. Like you can place Zion like in a corner or something because the Raptors seem to refuse to involve the guy that Zion is guarding. So what are you even supposed to do? Yeah, and I mean they they have a they had three. I guess Trey Murphy played pretty well. A bit, I very well. I don't know. I think like we could have. Herb Jones obviously couldn't slow Pascal. I think there just could have been better ways to attack this offense. It it doesn't help that we're missing shots, and then they get into transition, and you can just kind of see the momentum like fall away. But um, yeah, they. I it's just once again. I'm, I just question like what are we? What's our what what are our offensive tactics in this game? And I think that sometimes falls to the wayside. And I will, you know, so we started Scotty tonight. Um, Thad kept the start and Gary came off the bench. And I know in the chat, everybody's kind of complaining about Scotty. And 
he didn't have a great game. He was one for seven. Uh, he did have five assists, but he had three turnovers. Uh, it was another lackluster game from Scotty. I do think, again, though, um, running him with the bench unit is not the worst idea. There was a lineup where it was Scotty, Coloco, Gary, Wancho, and Goucher. And it's just like, it's the same kind of idea with Zion out there. It's like, okay, Scotty, this is your unit. Go run it, you know? Um, and I have to check the the plus minus with that unit. I don't know how how it ended up, but I just think that with this starting lineup and Scotty, he's he, he it seems like he feels like he's being relegated, right? Like he's being limited in what he can do, and he seems frustrated. Um, yeah, and so I think like there's a lineup structure thing here going on too. Yeah, but it, it, I agree with you. But there's there's um certain element of like uh it's time to perform when the keys are like in your hand then and i've been scotty's biggest supporter but you're right he didn't he did not in any way uh like really take control or at all when he was running the bench um but i will say silver lining gary did so maybe uh, scotty's like passivity is a just more so to do with the fact that those bench lineups he's tied with Gary and Gary did take 20 shots. He scored 35 points. He had a good night. So it could be in part that as well. Um, Cause that really was Gary's offense when Pascal was out. Um, but I, I will say, yeah, I will say Thad was basically a non-factor tonight. Yeah. I think Gary has to be in the starting lineup. It's weird to me. Um, that they actually went with that tonight. I get the Coloco's kind of buried at this point, but uh, it, it just like looking at the whatever the, the heads on the TSN like lineup board, I was like, I just, the matches just didn't look right. Like it was like just something wasn't adding up. Um, Thad was not the guy to cover JV. That was obvious. They got some demolished on the glass. Um, but I, it's one of those games where they just didn't have an answer for the Pelicans. So it's hard to determine like what the optimal starting lineup is because like, it seems, in retrospect, the Raptors are basically doomed no matter who started. Like, they, they just did not have an answer for this team. And that's really, it's depressing to say. But, like, it's almost like, who cares who started? This is might have been inevitable. Yeah, I mean, we're nitpicking here, but that's what we do on the wrap-up because we talk about this all the time. I actually just would have probably started Ken Birch. And I think, again, this attests to the lack of imagination from this coaching staff. Like, I just think... You know, you've got to look at who you're Matt, who who you're playing, what their personnel is, and how you're going to adjust. Coloco's too skinny to 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 f with Valanciunas. I think Kem would have been just like a nice, you, you know, I, um, he's dependable on the defensive end. With Valanciunas, you kind of know what you get, and we just needed a body out there. I think you're right. Thad's too slow. Was too slow and undersized. He can't be both. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and tough call, Cleveland, right? Like. With Cleveland, that wasn't an issue, but with a bigger team like this, I think they, they could have adjusted. But um, any other positives you wanted to point out? Uh, <laughs> I, I thought um, Siakam's start was really encouraging. He's been out. He looks healthy. Um, and whatever the, the lineup in that late run, the Gary OG, Pascal, Wancho, which was shocking, and Boucher, that lineup actually had a nice little run. And I, I think the... I, I was um I was pretty satisfied about the spacing. I was pretty satisfied about the way they communicated defensively. Like most of those guys have played together for a while, so it makes sense. But Wancho kind of fit in rotations wise. 
And uh, I think that that might be something they should be running a little bit more. That actually looked like a cohesive lineup. There's no guard, uh, which is kind of okay when you're letting, or there's no, I guess, lead guard, I should say. There's no one because uh, Gary is not a point guard. And it's fine, like, in a way, because we trust Pascal with the ball in his hands as a primary creator. So I, I like that lineup a lot. I think that should be something they run with in the future. I, I actually thought. For a moment there, like what did they cut it to? They cut it to eleven, and for a moment yeah, there, we, like they could have got it to single digits with ten minutes left. It looked really good. It was a good sweat. Uh, obviously, <laughs> nothing came of it, but I thought that was a nice little lineup. It was a good run. Yeah, say the lineup to me again. It was a. Uh, I, I don't even know how to order this. I guess I'll order it by height. Like <laughs> Gary, OG, Pascal, Wancho, Boucher. Yeah, We're yeah, I really like that lineup too. So the only guy that played more than twenty minutes who was a plus was Wancho at plus mm-hmm. two, and uh, I have advocated for him to remain in the start. There was a question from the viewers about who should be in the starting lineup, and Otto Porter Jr. would maybe be the guy when he's back. But Wancho makes a lot of sense, and and keeping Scotty and Gary, or one, or at least just Gary. Um, and this kind of addresses Erica's question about um, wouldn't Scotty be choked coming off the bench? Like, yeah, but he's a rook, he's a sophomore. Like, you know, at some point you've got to check your ego and uh, understand that, like, when you're not playing well, you kind of fall down the hierarchy. And I think to your point, like, Wancho and Thaddeus most of the time really fit. They, like I said on Monday, they grease the wheels of this offense, right? Like they they move well. Wancho cuts well off Pascal and other guys. Um, OG found him, or he finds guys like he found OG on that back door. Like I just think um, Wancho's kind of done everything we've asked for him, asked of him. And it gives us size. We don't lose that much defense when he subs in for Gary. So, um, but yeah, um, Phoenix. Or uh, Litmus mentioned Delano. I thought Delano played well. It was nice to have him back after missing some time with illness and ankle. He might have been a nice little spark plug to rely on. They didn't really – they took him out pretty early, even though he was playing playing well. Um, yeah, so so few few bright spots. But Coloco is three for three, whatever. He also, like – it's the bottom of the barrel here. Yeah. This is we're really scraping. Yeah, we're here. really stretching. <laughs> like, look, look. Um, yeah, it's but it's hard to come on after a loss like this, which is just so demoralizing and, and be complete doomers. Uh, but this was ugly, and it was ugly basically from one of the the you know you said the second quarter. I'd say like late first to be honest. It was like ugly for like thirty minutes of game time. So. Uh, it's tough, and there there'll be nights like this. I think uh, it's frustrating to see the Raptors be dominated in such a way. Ultimately, this is an off night, and yeah, uh, they're not going to turn the ball over like this constantly. I mean, honestly, like the turnovers are the biggest thing. Their, their offense is almost never good, like elite, elite, elite good. But they they just get so many shots that it it makes up for it. And at this point, like. When they, they're turning the ball over, they're not offensive rebounding. It's the games will look like this. And I just don't think that this is a blueprint to that the other teams can replicate against the Raptors. They just don't have the personnel. There's maybe all, two teams in the league. Yeah, totally. And all teams have these and it's a road game and blah blah blah. You know, like it's not doom and gloom, but I mean 
you do want to see resilience from a team like like the Raptors have. You know, there's enough veteran presence and skill here that they should overcome these droughts and should overcome these momentum killers and bring it back. And like this is exceptionally bad in the sense that by the second quarter the game was over. And that's like that's pretty unforgivable because I have expectations uh, of this team or high expectations of this team, you know? So I think that's why I'm so like negative. One, one little uh, observation I had, which was interesting, you know, when Scotty uh, threw the ball away and well, two things, one Scotty threw the ball away and uh, they had the layup and then Scotty has to inbound on the baseline and Boucher turns around hanging his head and just walks away. He knows he's the only guy there for the inbound (laughs) and it doesn't matter because there's only 0.1. So it's literally impossible for anybody to heave anything. So it's almost like he was punishing Scotty. He's like, you're just going to get the turnover here no matter what. Um, Don't love the, the um, body language of that exchange. No, I think there, there's a lot of talk about uh, Scotty's body language in general. Like Boucher is like, um, sort of typical like has been scrutinized for his body language maybe not like by his coach or anyone that matters but by like (laughs) us and people online (laughs) but um Boucher's it's kind of expected Scotty has had uh, tonight you know uh, he had some pretty ugly body language stuff going on like some pretty concerningly ugly body language stuff going on like through the pass to Wancho in the corner and they got mad like through a pass like a yeah. million miles an hour a at a guy's knees at a guy's knees and then get mad totally. at him for missing the pass he nutmegged them and then got and mad he at got him mad at Wancho yeah um and uh yeah a couple other things like that and I think like whatever he's a kid but there is something to be said um you know these are the reports uh, by the people who loved him, like Thorpe and uh, elsewise out of college, is like the team goes, the Scotty goes mo- emotionally. Like if, you know, Scotty's not on in a practice, the practice is bad. Scotty's effort is low, then the team's effort is low, and that 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 could be the case. He is like he's young, but he is like you know a, an emotional leader in that locker room. He's one of the faces of the team, and he did not look very mature tonight. Did not look like he was super engaged, like he cared about. Um, winning this game and it's not like i've i'm forgiving of him because he's young and the nba is a long season and he's struggling a little bit and is he's in his second year and he's not meeting maybe the expectations that he sets for himself or elsewise and it's just an ugly game in general but that was not impressive yeah i i mean it it's been something that's been ongoing and you know like i think in the older nba times these guys would you know be checked a little bit more by by the sam mitchell types i'm not advocating for that necessarily but i do think some tough love is due for scotty just because like the emotional ups and downs are not necessarily like acceptable and um yeah i don't know i whatever it's not it's not the biggest deal and i agree he's young and stuff but i again i just like have high expectations from like where's that dynamo energy scotty that's just like 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 doesn't give a f defense full court press like i'm gonna like like you know and that that's really gone away in the in the past in or in the last little while and i don't know if it's injury or exhaustion or frustration um but it's just not there and i think that's why we're disappointed right like that's and it's such a huge part of our team is his we have expectations 
emotionally we have expectations yeah, like, yeah. I, I want him jumping up and down and like tapping his head i want him like doing like really really stupid stuff like you're know, turning around on a fast break and dunking like looking at the guy like i want that kind of stuff where's that where's the joy it's like exactly when you, that sort of energy that like sort of mania uh isn't in a positive sense it doesn't translate as like positive manic stuff it just it's depressive it's really sad yeah, it's like totally he, he's it's toxic so you know that sort of intensity and uh, it, it just comes across as hubris when he has that sort of like energy in a sad way. It's but, a good point that it has big swings, but yeah, that positive energy can can kill another team's momentum, right? Absolutely. Or it can like lead the charge back, and so that's why we need it. And oh. he, in some ways, he is the emotional leader of this team, right? Because actually, Boucher might be it right now. Pascal slowly becoming it, but like. There's no one that vocal or loud on this team, and Scotty could be that. Yeah, the the sort of like who you traditionally assume are the emotional leaders in the locker room are guys who are basically like too chill uh, to to fulfill that role. Like Pascal is just so relaxed. Same with Freddie. Same with OG. Same with Gary to a certain extent. Like these guys are just like. They're, they, they're very very calm guys uh yeah. and they don't have which is good and it's good to have a calming presence but they're not going to get you fired up clapping yeah uh, you know they're not going to get you fired up in the same way scotty does and that's scotty's brilliance that's like part of what makes him an excellent player and ultimately like you know we're not in the locker room yeah uh, even if we hear like if, even if we're reading more reports than anyone else like no one knows scotty better than no. his teammates and the coaching staff etc so it's it's this is all speculative but it's fine i'm only fine. going I'm just based yeah on what exactly I see. it's just what we're seeing on the floor and uh, by the way that pretty technical it was bad but you do know that he has some of the strongest hands in the league so what we think is just a clap might have been like an earth or uh, eardrum shattering mm-hmm. like mm-hmm bass drum in the ref's ears you know or, or maybe maybe with like the small attendance in new orleans it was like could have been the first clap all yeah, night they, yeah the acoustics the first clap in of the there night. just like reverberated across the yeah and the ref wasn't the ref wasn't you're on you're on like a weird uh I know. <laughs> it happens, it communicative uh, anyway yeah it could have been just like uh so quiet in there that it was it was ear shattering my, unbelievable my, that team uh winning team with a superstar can't pack an arena on uh, i know on not a only Tuesday a superstar night. but like a exciting one this well, is chris paul a, a type that has never been seen in, in the nba ever period mm-hmm. like it's a spectacle it's you know exactly. it's not just a superstar and i think that seeing it on tv is like amazing i can only imagine in person um one last observation I'll say is Delano Banton had a great two for one in the second quarter. He literally got down the floor off a of, off a of bu- made bucket in three seconds and lays it in. Then New Orleans comes back. Something happens. I think they miss. We go down. Boucher dribbles the ball. <laughs> I just can't get over how bad this was. He dribbles the ball. None of the Raptors are in the in the offensive side of the court. He's on his own. He takes like a one dribble step back with 12 seconds left in the quarter, fadeaway jumper, hits it. But then, of course, like it's literally the worst shot you could possibly take, not to mention that it leaves 12 seconds on the floor. And then uh, Dyson goes back down, gets a layup and ties it. So it totally destroys the point of the two for one. I thought that one was just very funny and like kind of a class A, classic Boucher moment. 
Yeah, they need a they need a, like a term for that, like the they call it like a one for two, like spoiling, get, uh, give, handing the other team a two for one opportunity yeah. when they shouldn't. Like the other team t- takes a shot at like eighteen seconds, and they come down and like just give the team another possession. It's it ridiculous. It's pretty bad. Um, Let's move on. Unless you have anything else to say. No, no, no. I'm happy. I'm very happy to move on. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I think this is a good time. To introduce our brand new sponsor, Kyle. Um, we've been waiting to announce this for a while. We all just got our our uh, supplies, so to speak. So, without further ado, we are now sponsored by Manscaped. If everybody is familiar, great. If you're not, Manscaped. How do you describe Manscaped, Kyle? It's like a, I guess, I suppose, like a male health company grooming. I don't know. Yeah. This is big time, though. These people should be familiar with Manscaped. This is like a huge sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so, if those of you unfamiliar, it's mostly, I think it's mostly something they do for men. Um, and uh, so, it's helping you with that nether region. It's helping. It's, we got some anti chafing lotions, some trimmers. Um, I got, I'm wearing their boxers right now, the anti-chafing material, which is kind of nice. So I'm sitting in an office chair feeling all like, you know, slippery, which is nice. I, I so, heard, uh, I heard Oren wore the t-shirt out to his day tonight. Uh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. He <laughs> probably got all freshened up, you know, using all that manscape. So anyway, if you want to, if you're interested, this is a good time. Purchase something for a gift for a for a friend, for a partner, for a father, whatever. Whoever you know doesn't like chafing, you can go to Manscaped and uh, type in the promo code wrap up, and you'll get a twenty percent discount. You'll and uh, it'll look good for us because there are there are new partners, and uh, so yeah, we're gonna do uh, Manscaped. No. Well, we can't take away from the tax man. We're going to have to work on a Manscaped promo. But for now, uh, <laughs> yeah, this explains why I'm so perky. Is because I'm like, you know, slipping and sliding in this uh, chafe-free zone. Um, I'm going to come up with so many more Manscaped uh, references. I can't wait. So anyway, check out Manscaped if you're into that kind of thing. Um, moving. I, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I will say it. It's basically gender neutral. I mean, it's just it's just the razors, and they're good razors. True. So I don't That's even true. think it needs to be manscaped. It could be like no, they manscaped. really emphasize testicles, though. Like this, all of like the box is all about your balls, and you know, it's all about like you know, scrotum this, scrotum that. Which which I'm here for. I'm surprised. I now I'm criticizing manscaped. Whatever. No, no, I'm surprised no. that there's an industry for this. To be honest. But, it, but getting the product and being able to use it, I now understand why it exists. But I do agree that there is no gender identity around this stuff. You no. could, anybody with a crotch could use this stuff. So uh, anybody, yeah, I, I encourage you to purchase this, whatever your identity is, because uh, no one likes chafing. I can tell you that much. Now um, we're going to uh, segue right to our other <laughs> promo. <laughs> I got to figure out how to do this better, but we're going to go with uh, the Can-Am Taxman of the night. Kyle, having you is a rarity, so we're going to, I'm going to give the honors to you to, to choose uh, a Can-Am Taxman of the night. I think it has to be Gary. I mean, 
I would have I would have thought Siakam would have been a lock for it based on the first three minutes of game time, but like I think Gary is really the only performer tonight that like uh, moved the needle at all. Uh, even Siakam, like it's not like he had a disappointing rest of game, but he was pretty quiet. Uh, if you consider like nine points in the first three minutes or three four minutes and finishes the game with twenty three, like he uh, he kind of quieted down and Gary picked it up when it actually mattered not that it really mattered at any point beyond the second quarter but like he did he was part of that run he was knocking down open shots and it, it, this is this is a, a good sign for him he got, gets moved to the bench and immediately responds in pretty much the most resounding way possible and um i think defensively like i don't know if i i saw great strides on that end i know that's what nurse is looking for but uh that can be forgiven i don't i to be honest not a single Raptor was impressive on that end tonight. So, fr- frankly, he's excused. If no one's playing defense, Gary can't be held to that standard. Gary should be, like, you know, the fifth most engaged defender on the team, not, not the first, and that's totally. a win for him. He did have his three steals. I mean, that doesn't necessarily indicate good defense, but at least he's in there making causing a ruckus. Gary Trent Jr., 12 for 20, 6 for 11 from 3, which is really nice to see. He got to the line seven times, and that was something he did early as well, which was a, was attack. And this is this is a thing with Freddie that we're seeing more of, and it's good to see with Gary, and I'd love to see it with Scotty. Is like, you know, we got to get easy buckets when we can, and drawing the foul, attacking the lane is just good. It's good business for the offense, especially a half-court offense as poor as ours. So um, that's always good to see. Other than that, his, his stat lines is – one, one, three, and one. This is a pretty standard yeah, carry that, line. That, that's, that's, that's the line. Of Tim Bontemps, uh, yeah. was Zach Lowe was talking about how there's this offensive shooting guard that might be the next, like, uh, uh, what's what, like, uh, like obsolete obsolescence essentially like yeah he was saying the offensive power for julius randall demata sabonis like yeah. those guys like you can't win with them and yeah. he's suggesting that the shooting guards are hero uh pool uh maybe maxi yeah. um mccollum and then and he's like maybe you can't win with these smaller offensively minded guards and immediately my mind came to gary and you know like he kind he does fall kind of within that group I think he's less talented than those guys, but he potentially could play better defense. And so I think if he really wants to get paid again, he does have to become a more disciplined defensive player because um, I think the teams are finding out that they just can't pay the big bucks to these, like um, these guards who aren't going to hold their own on defense. Yeah. And, well, um, I didn't say you can't win with Maxi. Yeah, I, said I was going like, to address that as well. I was this just is... saying that like, it's well, I mean, first of all, they didn't win with him, but I'm just saying that, like, if the suggestion is that if you want to run deep, you can't have too many defensive liabilities, and these offensive guards I mean it's an automatic liability, so therefore the other four guys can't be. In Miami, we saw this like Hero, Hero, and Robinson were getting picked on all the time, and then Struess to some degree, so they had to like Robinson got benched, right. Yeah, I mean, they also the discussion you're referencing is about like player archetypes that have gone extinct, and like you know, yeah, there's always going to be exceptions. Like the back to basket center is pretty much dead, but like obviously there's Joel and B. It's not like oh you can't look, you can't win with Joel. What we're saying is that like these are the types of players that you don't pay big money to that go 
are basically going by the wayside. There are there's going to be these guys in the league still. There's some of these guys are talented, but I Greg Monroe, agree. baby. Yeah, exactly. I do agree in general with the with the thesis, which is like, yeah, you you really can't play a lot of shorter, smaller guys who can't rebound and can't play defense. Because at least like you know when you get these like big oversized wings, even if they're not terrific defenders, they're helping out on the glass. They just get their arms up. Get your arms yeah, up. Yeah, like Wanja's like, a good example. Right? Yeah, get in lanes. Who cares if like. You can't guard. You can't guard anyone one on one. Your feet are slow. You you know like you get crushed in the post. As long as you're long, you move around. It's still better than being a guard who can't play. Defense. This, this is a Max brings up the sharpshooter archetype, which is a another perfect one that like burnt burned out immediately, right? Like the Davis Bertons, the mm-hmm. uh, Robinson, and I feel like there's a couple of others I'm probably forgetting, but um, yeah, that quickly flamed out it's like you can't play a lick of defense you literally can't even play in the regular mm-hmm. season um yeah duncan robinson i mentioned but if uh, maybe some others i know there's a, there's at least one other one steve steve, steve, steve kerr was mentioned steve in the chat kerr. Yeah. steve kerr is getting crushed in today's league for uh, sure oh yeah he's getting picked on so badly like uh, i think any- i think fred van vliet is having like not, really high efficiency post possessions against Steve Kerr. That guy was like 175 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's ass would just swallow Steve Kerr whole. <laughs> Matt Thomas, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, Matt Thomas doesn't count because he never even got paid. Like he couldn't even. But yeah, I get your point. Um, anyway, that's a long way of saying that Gary Trent Jr. is our Can-Am tax man of the night. This is we now have two sponsors. Please support both of them because it means that. We get uh, like a, a dime instead of doing this for free. Um, canamtaxman.com, you canamtax.com. You can go visit them. They'll help you with your business taxes and personal taxes. Um, they're a great partner of ours, and we're proud to uh, have them as a sponsor. So, okay, we'll go to questions and then we're getting the hell out of here. We have a couple uh, already put on, or I, uh, held on to what does Scotty need to do going forward? Kyle. Uh, hmm. That was I asked think, by Azim Ali. I think in general, uh, the blueprint is basically uh, assert yourself more with the second unit and, and try your best to be like forgiving of teammates and emotionally stable as possible. Cause I do think like you're young and uh, if you're not earning the opportunities with the starters, then, and you're still being given the opportunity with the bench, like, okay, fine, you don't have the opportunity with the starters, at least you're still getting the opportunity to run the bench. They're, they're, this is an olive branch by Nick Nurse and by like the, the, the other players on the team that you're being given the opportunity to run the bench. Some guys don't get that. Like, it's not like Chris Boucher gets that. Um, so, you know, consider that to be a, a benefit. And that's not, you're not being relegated to the bench. You're, you're being gifted the opportunity to run the bench and uh, assert yourself confidently. And, and I think things will start falling his way again. I, I just, I don't like the, there's like a, a weird thing with Scotty where like he won't take open shots when he's gifted them, but will force shots when he's not getting them. And it's like, a, it's actually the worst of both worlds. Yeah. He's started to become a little bit less decisive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is kind of happens when you have newfound offensive tools that you want to test out. I mean, we see this with Precious all the time. 
Scotty's discovered handles and a pull-up and uh, a, a spot up to some degree, and he's relying on it too much. He's not going back to his bread and butter, right? Like we're not seeing those kind of side post-ups, like weird sling hook shots anymore. And wow, that was that was cool. I literally have no idea what they were. <laughs> Oh, it's foam. One second. Take it over. You guys ever hear like a like a really old boomer guy's ringtone? That's like a very boomer ringtone. I hate to say it. That's like an eighty-five year old man you hear at the that gym. Was, his that was my partner's. Off. That wasn't mine. Oh, so. I'm sorry. My even though even though I'm the old man, it wasn't me. Um, but anyway, a good segue to Trace's question is: Why aren't we using our strength to bully ball mismatches with all the length we have? And this is what Scotty should be doing, right? Like when you're in a funk. You go and grind your way into some layups, right? And like Scotty has a, a literal advantage in every way against any player that guards him, right? If he's small or skinny, you take him down low. If he's fat and 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 big, you like you know rip by him the way he can, or or then do the pull up. And I just think um, we're not. Again, this kind of goes back to coaching, in my opinion. We're not being as tactful as we can be or as tactical. And, uh, and yeah, tactful, tactical. You can be both, right? Yeah, that one wasn't wrong. You did. I think you're on high alert. You corrected yourself too much. <laughs> You've gone too far. Um, does Nick Nurse use Manscaped? Yes. Oh, that's uh, a good question. I think he yeah. uses it on his face. <laughs> yeah, which you can. You can, by the way. Yeah, you can. Just, they, they market them as like a – as like the nether region trimmers, they're just good facial razors that you can like purchase for less money than you would like a Phillips or whatever. I'm just you putting even, that out there. I don't they know supplied if they us with us to an, say that. They supplied us with a nose and ear hair trimmer know, too, which is like the ultimate boomer tool. But <laughs> I don't know. some people need that. I might need that. Yeah. Should you get the nose hairs trimmed up. Well, part right. of aging is, is hair out here is for sure. Um, any more questions that anybody wants to ask before we get out of here? I know a lot of questions around trades and trade deadline. I don't think we're going to address that right now just because that's always the like crunchy question. And we need to wait a little bit, see what kind of opportunities arise from other teams. Um, I think obviously Gary's the nominee here. He's, he's got the Norm Powell situation going for him. And he's the odd man out as far as payment goes. And we just talked about paying offensively minded guards. Um, so that's all I'll say on that. Uh, this is a good question. Is it possible? But Richard De Earl says, is it possible that we've missed profile misprofiled Scotty? And as a result, the frustration is on the coaches and not on Scotty. Uh, I, I, like I guess, but also like he did win rookie of the year. It's not like this guy's a role player who we're trying to play as like a. Well, that, but that's the point is that like we aren't casting him in the right light that we did last year. Uh, do you do you sense there's a big difference in like the type of usage he's getting? I think there's a difference in volume, maybe, but I don't think his usage has like been altered. Uh, he, he's actually like he's been a better distributor than he has last year. Uh, I, I think. Part of it is just like he's in his second year. He doesn't. He's not working as hard for those second chance opportunities that really like he was basically eating on in his first year, and that's to be expected because the guy's more established in the league. He doesn't have the same sort of drive, and he they've been in the playoffs. He he realizes this is December first, 
and uh, probably isn't as engaged, which is like whatever. Everyone in the NBA does this, so I'm forgiving. I think so. This year he's at uh, 21% usage, uh, and now one last year. I do think like they they have run less stuff for him this year. He was at 19% usage, so he, he has more usage this year than last year. But again, it's you're right, like you're saying, it's the type of usage, and I mm-hmm. I think they've just run they've run less stuff for him. Like there was a lot of posting him up last year, getting him in the elbow, running him off like screens, the dribble handoffs, and things like that, getting him into motion. And again, it goes down back to this idea that you know Scotty's grown as an offensive player which is great but now he's relying on it too much as other coaches and i think they're learning by do like letting him learn on the fly this is, seems to be the thing the raptors like to do but it's just really frustrating to watch that um when we're trying to win ball games um phoenix asks uh you think we win this game if we give i think we do if we yeah. give siak and p card usage and run everything through him i think we should grind that to the ground we always already play him 40 minutes a game why don't we give him the ball like you know yeah. 80 possessions and just see what happens like we saw against cleveland score 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 assist 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 foul draw foul draw like that should be happening constantly yeah, it, it, I was actually going to mention this earlier, but sometimes uh, people will just like check the box score or only catch a part of the game, and there'll be questions like, uh, "Oh, well, Siakam had like X amount of points early. Like, why did he not get the ball later?" And it's always like, "Okay, well, they rotated, or they like they they shrunk this that his side of the floor, or they were bringing doubles, or whatever." But in this case, they they just went away from him, which is so weird to me. They yeah. just like there's no real excuse why he didn't get up like. 35 shots today no it, like it's it didn't teammates. make any sense his teammates just didn't go to him anymore yeah it and it wasn't malicious but they just decided to do their own thing yeah i i was i was actually kind of baffled because like almost every time there's some sort of excuse it didn't feel like there was an excuse it just he just got frozen out and he's supposed to be the alpha he's the like he's the guy who will be an all-star in this team health you know health uh if he's healthy, I should say. Um, but they the just got frozen out of his own offense. And this should yeah. just be his offense. He should be the one commanding everything. I want him in charge of everything. And uh, yeah. it's frustrating seeing a guy who's the way more accomplished than anyone else on this team uh, getting completely shunned by his teammates. Yeah, I agree. But the silver lining is we know it can happen. And in the playoffs, when we're dead and out, like that's going to be something where uh, we can rely on, which is something we've never been able to do, really. So that's encouraging. Um, but yeah, that I agree. I think he got iced out. It was weird. It was very obvious scoring nine straight points and then not in. Just didn't really make any sense. They, they had no okay. So he scored nine straight points. They weren't bringing doubles. He gets an ISO post uh, ISO post possession like against Herb Jones, where they finally bring a double team. And he's been scoring it well. They finally bring a double team, one double team, and they just they never go to that again. Like at least just just like that's actually good. You're generating like you're shrinking the size of the floor. If you can like get it to a matchup where a double's coming, like don't you want that? Isn't that what you want as an offense? Isn't go, don't good offenses hunt that kind of stuff? Am I am I out of touch? No, hundred percent. To teams operate. I mean, that's how Dallas operates. That's how good teams. That's just, like yeah. for the, the the actually people in general have been talking about like uh, the evolution of the NBA, and they try to 
create these like larger narratives about like oh it's about three-point shooting no it's about like a uh, positional versatility actually no it's about like a uh, people's like de- defensive versatility but it, ultimately like i think one of the bigger stories of like the most the recent nba i'd say the last like seven years so sort of starting with those like Cavs warrior series is that like uh hunting matchups uh has been more prevalent in basketball than I think ever before. Like guys, teams will hunt matchups offensively and seek out doubles and work off of doubles like never before. And a lot of that was for a lot of time, you couldn't even double team realistically at all. Um, but this is how good offense operate. Like almost every good offense with the exception of the Warriors who are just so unique and weird are operating out of like find a double team, let the double come and work off of that. But like I don't get why the Raptors aren't willing to do that when they're being gifted by the pelicans like here here's a double we're, we're going to shrink it uh, we're going to leave an entire side of the floor wide open like what are they, what's going on i mean they do typically like rely on a light a lot of isolation um so they do but they i guess they're not as thoughtful as we would like with like who they're who they're getting in isolation and where but really i mean Tonight is just like Pascal literally could not be stopped. Herb Jones is no. is an all NBA level defender of forwards, and he was just getting sauced. Like I don't know, it's crazy. Um, it's also it's a spacing issue as well. The Raptors are not. Yeah, if we're not hitting shots tremendously, we're we're frigged. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Brian Scalabrini was saying on the Zach Lowe like uh, pod, you know, another thing is about being able to bend defenses over and over again, which. Mm-hmm. Um, we have trouble with right like pascal's the bender and then on secondary tertiary actions it's kind of i might like i think og and freddie can do that and gary to some degree but um yeah i don't know where i was going with that but i uh, we do have the playmaking i just think it needs to be centered around pascal a little bit more pascal or scotty i think those are our two main playmakers um and thaddeus and we need to be running more stuff through them get them more involved in the center of the, I mean, Scotty can take pointers from Pascal. Like Pascal gets the ball. He takes one giant stride and he's in the middle of the floor. And it's just like, it's, it's daylight wherever he wants to go. And Scotty's got to learn that. I, I like how you snuck that in there. Some things cool. never change. Yeah. I think we got to, I think on that note. What, Thaddeus? I think, yeah. I think, I think on that note. Dude, Thaddeus <laughs> playing great. I, I agree. I don't think, whatever, who cares? He's a playmaker in a limited way. All right, we're signing out. That's the 55-minute mark. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Please like us and subscribe to us. Uh, Yeah, go take care of your groinal needs as best you can. Wrap up. That's it. (laughs) R-A-P-U-P. Yeah, that's like a – yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, that was your uh, poor Raptors experience tonight. The uh, New Orleans Pelicans smashed the Toronto Raptors 126-108. Um, the next game we're in, are we in Orlando? Is that right? I believe so. Does anybody know? No, Brooklyn. Brooklyn on oh, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds like a fun so, time. Uh, I won't be there. I'm away for the next 10 days. So uh, hopefully, Kyle, you can attend. And uh, yeah, peace out, everybody.